Welcome to the Slaying Self-Doubt Podcast, where we are going to overcome our fears, doubts, and insecurities. I'm your host, Felicia Wallace, and I would like for you to join me on my journey to slaying my own self-doubt, and hopefully you slaying some of yours as well. Let's get started. Hey now, welcome to another episode of the Slaying Self-Talk Podcast. I'm your girl, Felicia. Wanted to jump right in to close up us talking about imposter syndrome. We have spent the last couple of weeks just talking about um, what it means to have imposter syndrome and what ways we can actually change the thinking and um you practical tips I hope it's been helpful it definitely has been helpful for me like talking through it because I've been able to see how um imposter syndrome shows up in my life daily I also recognize that once I noticed it and I noticed it was something I struggled with I really did start to see that it was also something that my kids struggled with in different ways about like being critical of themselves, like how they evaluate what they do, um, comparing themselves to each other. You know, my sons, they're not competitive, but, you know, if one does one thing, the other one's like, well, he didn't do it this way or I didn't have it that way or like he's able to do this. And it's just like, okay, y'all are two different people. Let's worry about like what your strengths are and what his strengths are and not compare yourselves to each other. I've been able to have conversations with them that for me are less frustrating because I've recognized that what I have in me was passed on to them. And so it's less frustrating for me. I think that it has been helpful for me. And so I really do hope that it's been helpful to you as well. Um, So the fourth thing um, about some of the characteristics of having imposter syndrome is thinking that your best is not good enough. We all know that um, we probably struggle with this as a kid. You really try hard at doing something and somebody beats you or whatever, or, you know, you really thought you studied really good for a test and then you don't get an A, you get a B, or you have this internal thought that whatever you do is not going to be good enough. I said in the beginning that sometimes imposter syndrome comes from like your environment and how you were raised. There's some people who were raised in environments that nothing that they did was good, even if it was their best. But because they were in an environment where that person was just not satisfied with what they were doing, they go into adulthood feeling that nothing that they do is good enough. Um, And so the way that we kind of alter that thinking is just by, um, you know, believing what God says about us and believing that God is saying that, um, as long as we do stuff through him, then we are okay. The reality is, is that sometimes depending on the situation, depending on what it is that you're doing, you may be trying really hard to do something. And in that moment, your best may not have been good enough. Not and when I say not good enough, but it's not, um, to the point where like you really, you continue to do your best, but some, you're not going to win at everything. I think that's what I'm trying to get to. Like, you're not going to always be the first. You're not going to always get an A. That is not, re- that's not reality. Right. And so I think having the conversation of saying, to for two people to continue to do your best is you want to continue to do the best that you can this week I promise you between my um, devotional time and just talking to different people listening to sermons and listening to um, other podcasts 
um, God has definitely just been saying the same thing to me over and over and over again, which is you have everything you need to do exactly what I'm calling you to do. Like we are equipped with everything that we need. So in all honesty, our best is good enough because he's already given it to us. I think the difference is that when we're trying to do certain things in our own strength, it doesn't work out that way. I think that if every opportunity, every situation that we walk into, you may not win, you may not be first, but you have to give your best. You have to put your best foot forward and try your absolute best. And you improve on whatever it is that you you do. Like when I first got into my career as a manager, I had no idea what I was doing. Like legit, I was the same, almost the same age as my employees. And, you know, I remember them saying like, how's this person who's our age going to come in here and tell us what to do. And I thought the same thing. And it took me 11 years in the same position to really realize God had already given me what I needed, but I had to continue to push myself. So every year I did my absolute best and I was grateful that my best allowed me to keep my job. Was I better than all the other managers who've had, you know, maybe more experience than me or whatever have you? No, but if I'm not comparing myself to them, it's my best. I think that there's a difference between like, so if we, when you were doing stuff like that, like if you're not trying, that's different. Like you're not putting forth no effort. Like one of my sons, he is not athletic, not because he don't want to be, well, maybe it's because he don't want to be, that's just not his thing. Right. And so we try, we try our best to say, you know, Hey, we want to put you in something. Let's, you know, let you try different things because maybe it'll click one day. Right. And we would always say the same thing. Like you got to at least try, try your best. And he would say, I am trying my best. And for us, we were saying, it don't look like you trying your best. Cause on the outside, it looks like he should be doing, but it could be his best in that part. Right. So you could be doing your best, but what if that's not where you, that's not where your strengths are. We knew that that wasn't his strengths, um, but we gave him an A for effort every single time. Like when it came to certain things, it was like, you know, where well, at least he really is trying, he shows up, he's committed, whatever those things, but what we're looking for the result is not going to always be that. At the end of the day, all I could do was say, I just need you to do your best. Whatever your best is, that's what I need you to give me. And sometimes I had conversations with him and say, are you giving me your best? And he'd have to say, well, no, not really. Okay, well, then if you're not doing your best, then that's not good enough. I need you to try harder. And even I don't expect for you to win every race. I don't expect for you to make every touchdown. I don't expect for you to kick every goal, make every, um, you know, three point shot. But I do expect for you to do your best. And I think that when we know that other people are counting on us to do our best and because we're not we're not perfect so it's not going to be right it's just our best and I think that what sometimes we're achieving to be is perfect or right and nobody can say that we're right we just have to do our best and our relationships and marriage and parenting we do our best like I'm doing my best as a mother I'm doing my best as a wife could somebody else be doing it differently and it may seem like it's better than me? It could, but at the end of the day, they don't have my family. They don't have my kids. They don't have my husband. They don't have my life. So I'm doing the best that I can in here. And when you're doing your best and you know that you're really, really trying, you have to give yourself some grace. You have to give yourself some, like, I'm going to say that you have to give yourself some grace. 
we put these unspoken expectations on ourselves to be something that we are not. And you can't be what your neighbor is. You can't be what you see on TV. You know, my kids now, um, we've been watching the Cosby show. And it's so funny because I was talking to my husband and I was just like, you know, it's so weird that now, like, I understand the stuff that they were saying. Because as a kid, it was like, oh, it's just so cool. They live in this big old house. And it was so funny because my kids were saying, they're saying, their house is so cool. It's like you can get to the kitchen and the living room all at the same time. Like, I could be going down one way. And, he, and I was just like, I, it was like the same thing. Like, I, I, I used to think the same thing when I was a kid. Like, they seemed like that they had it all together. And in my conversation with my husband, I was just like, one of the things I loved about this show is that it showed you you now as an adult I can see it shows you the good the bad and the ugly even though it was a tv show it depicted something that showed that everybody was trying to do their best as you know spouses as siblings as parents as co-workers as um friends you know whatever the case may be and I feel like that Claire and Cliff Cliff Jesus Cliff and Claire why were their names so close I don't know. Okay, I guess his name was Heathcliff. So yeah. Anyway, but they did their best to try to parent their kids. Did they get it right every single time? Did their kids still be mischievous and try to do other stuff? Remember when Vanessa went to Baltimore with the ratchet? That's one of my favorite episodes because Claire was about. Let me tell you something. One thing that I loved about Claire is that if you had like a mama, a auntie, a grandmother that was like that, you saw that, and it was just like I could see my mother being like that. I could see my grandmother being like that. Um, and shoot now I'm like I the kids are like you act just like her I'd be like yep <laughs> but I think that you know just basically like giving ourselves some grace like we're not going to get it right every time and you're doing your best so like don't don't stress yourself out about it the last thing um, about in the imposter syndrome and one of the characteristics which is I think for me was like the biggest thing. Like it was my aha moment. Like I knew I had imposter syndrome, but this was like, yes, this is exactly how I feel. So the fifth one is that you waver between fear of failure and fear of success. And I was like, yep. Like we all have a fear of failing. We don't want to fail school. We don't want to fail as parents. We don't want to fail our driver's test. We don't want to fail in our marriage we don't want to fail on our uh evaluations at work because usually when you fail at something depending on what it is you lose something right and so of course we're going to have a failure that is that's like innate right like it's in us because you're you're scared you're nervous you're not sure if you're going to do it right you want to make sure everything like it kind of goes in with the kind of sort of with the not thinking you're good enough but like fear of failure when you're trying something it's just like that nervousness of like oh man I really do hope I get this right one of my fears of jumping out um and leaving my nine to five was like what if this doesn't work and I made the wrong decision bah. you know and so you're thinking that and you if you stay there that's when it makes it bad right but you hear all the time do it scared that's where the trust that's where faith comes in when you do have your fear of failure but you trust God you trust something higher than you enough to be able to say I'm going to do it anyway every single day I'm doing stuff out of fear my um cousin said something to me the other day that you know it definitely um 
it made my my heart smile and so she was saying she just said you know one of the things I admire about you is that you keep moving even though through the uncertainty like not knowing what the next step is and sometimes we have this inkling in our like in our being right so it's um I've heard it before it's like a prompting right and so you feel prompted to do stuff like sometimes like the other day I went to Dunkin Donuts or whatever and I felt a prompting to pay for the person behind me there's been times that I've heard it before and I've been like no I'm not gonna do it now does it hurt me it depends on what's in my bank account right but but I'm not talking to the person behind me I'm not saying hey I'm about to pay your your meal you know order whatever you want like it's a prompting from God to say just do it so I've done it a couple of different times and it's not about me it's not it's about him and so when he asks us to do certain things when you feel that even though you're scared like he knows that you don't necessarily most of the time when God is prompting us to do something and you feel the prompting and you like it's like your body is moving but you're staying still at the same time like that's God trying to tell you no this way like somebody's pushing you like this way and so when you do that you're like pushing through that's the whole purpose of like pushing through your fear pushing through your insecurities and your doubts and just getting to the other side because sometimes it really isn't that bad so in regards to fear of failure like I've heard this over and over again, again this week. They don't. The, the opposite of fear is faith. Somebody else said it. Um, the opposite of fear is certainty, and I think it's true because faith is no. The opposite of faith is certainty, which is yeah and so I think what he was saying was like basically like if we know what's happening there's no need for us to be scared right if if you know that once if I knew once I'm making this move I was walking into you know you know I don't know a six-figure job or something like that I ain't worried about like I, I know what I'm going into so I'm not stressed about it but when you walk into uncertainty that's where your faith gets ignited and you have to be like oh lord what what am I supposed to do right And so the second part to that is the fear of success, which is what I think most of us are actually afraid of. It's not really failing. It's more about being successful because I said it a a couple of weeks ago, we don't feel worthy. We do not feel like that we deserve what God is willing to give us. We don't feel like that we deserve the calling that God has put on our life. So we're afraid of succeeding because we're afraid that we don't deserve it. And so what you do is when you feel like the fear of success, you sabotage situations. You get it. This is when we get in our own way where we downplaying stuff like, nah, it ain't that, this, that, and the third. No, nah, I'm going to just stay over here. Nah, I don't need to go do that. We're afraid of actually grabbing the things that we really, really want. And it's only in certain situations because if we're very honest with ourselves, in certain situations, we're not afraid about asking for what we want. We're not afraid about taking what we need. Like for myself, I know when it comes to my kids, can't nobody tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I'm sorry. Ugh, my kids sing that song. Ugh. Now it's going to be in my head. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that just blew me. <laughs> but nobody can tell me anything about my kids, right? And when I say that, I mean, like, I will fight to the death for them. I will take anybody out who stands in my way because that is my commitment to them. I I'm proud to be a mom. I'm proud to be their mom. And so I want what's absolutely best for them. And I don't have any qualms about how I feel, how I parent, whatever have you. You come after me or mine and I'm 
we gonna go like that's that's basically where it is I feel the same way about um like certain food I don't eat certain places just because I feel like I I don't have to right like so I'm just like if I I'm confident and like I don't want to eat that I'm confident I don't eat that I don't do this though like we're confident in those things but when it requires us to put our trust and faith into something else where it will make us vulnerable make us open and those type of things that's when we're afraid to move forward because we don't know what's on the other side but if it looks like things are painting out then we start that we start to backpedal and we like do I really want that do I really want to walk into this for real for real and the answer is yes Yes, you do. And so I love this passage in um, 2 Corinthians uh, 12 because I think I've said it numerous times about the, um, and I guess I was talking about this last week about the thorn in the side, I think. I think this is it. Um, But, and having to ask God to remove certain situations. But in this, I'm reading this from the Message Bible actually. Um, And so it says Satan's angels did his best to keep me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it think of it as a gift and beg God to remove it three times. I did that. And, and then he told me my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes onto its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in me on my weakness. Now I take limitations and stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so that the weaker I get, the stronger I become. That sums up literally like the whole imposter syndrome it is something that is in us to make us feel weak and what we have to do is put our faith and our trust in God to be strong in those moments we're like I said we're not going to always get it right you're not going to always be first you're not going to you're going to be in situations where somebody is you know, more experienced than you are, that's better equipped, has studied harder. You're going to be in a situation where you don't feel like you stand up to other people. Like I said in the beginning, and I think the second episode of this, like, it's not going to go away. You're not going to not ever feel these things. But when you feel them, you can't stay there. When you feel them, you say, thank you, God, for reminding me of who you are because what that does is that when you're having these moments you realize that you need him you can't do it without him because if you relied on yourself you wouldn't even be doing it so in that case it's a good thing that you have these thoughts and that you have these um, this imposter syndrome because it lets you know that you have to put the other part of it, bring God into it. Because if you don't, it's not going to work out. Because again, at the beginning of this whole journey of slaying self-doubt is that we get in our own way. We stop ourselves from doing whatever it is that we can do. There is no way I would have even thought I would have been here three years ago, five years ago, 
I couldn't see myself here because I didn't think I deserved it. I couldn't see myself here because I didn't think I had what it took. I couldn't see myself here because I was comparing my life to everybody else's and oh, well, they have this and they have that. And I couldn't see it because I was standing in my way. And now I'm allowing God to work through me in multiple situations and in multiple instances where he's taking control, where I'm saying, let bum back up and let me sit down. I'm going to set my $5 tail down over here and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let him handle this. I'm going to go ahead and let him work it out because ultimately God has already, he has designed our path for us. It's already written we are going to be whatever God wants us to be. Like, that's it. You, we do not have any control over the things that God has destined for us. All we do is delay the process. When we get in our own way, we delay what he's trying to do anyway. Do I think that some of our delays could throw us completely off track? Yeah, it can. And in, in, in knowing that you have to make a conscious effort to not, allow that to happen and so that's where I am right now like I'm grateful for knowing that I have imposter syndrome now I can see it in other people now I can see it in myself and so that allows me to be aware of the things that I'm doing to sabotage what God wants for me I'm able to see the things that are in me that I don't necessarily want to bring into my business right because the thing about it is is that you God wants to fix our character he wants to fix us so that before I lay hands on anybody else not lay hands but before I come in contact with anybody else or am in relationship with somebody else that I am able to really like exude his image and I'm able to really be able to say like hey you know I'm I'm doing my best this is the way I'm showing up and this is me I don't make any apologies for who I am we all have to strive to be better. The whole purpose of this movement is to be able to walk into our purpose, to be better than we were yesterday, to really strive to be the best version of ourselves. And the only way that we're able to do that is that we have to break down the walls. We got to figure out what's going on, have the difficult conversations, talk about the stuff that's bothering us, talk about the stuff that, you know, doesn't really feel right in order for us to be able to really come into our own. And so um, I'm, again, just grateful that this series has been um, impactful to me. I hope it's been impactful to you. If you have any questions, anything else you want me to address in regards to imposter syndrome, you can send me an email at slayingselfdoubt at gmail.com. Um, or you can hit me on um, IG or Facebook at Slaying Self Doubt. Um, I really do hope that it's been um, helpful to you. And um, I appreciate all the feedback, all the love, all the reposts and the stories. I'm just continuously grateful for God choosing me to be in this position. And um, everything that I'm learning about myself is just been amazing. Okay, guys, that's all for this week. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Remember to join the Slaying Self-Doubt community on Facebook. Have a great week. See ya.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.